Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Ready to get in the Word this morning, church. <clears throat> Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> I'm going to read a little bit this morning. Luke 5, 1 through 11. If you have it, give me an Amen. Amen. My church knows how to flip their Bible. (laughs) And if you don't, it's all right, I got you up here. Luke 5, 1 through 11, it says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But, But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And uh, they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had just taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when he had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Amen. Let's pray over this word. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word that was spoken, Father, to your servant, Lord. I pray, Father God, that as as it's delivered, my God, it it be from your Holy Spirit, my God. I am just your vessel, Father God, and I pray that it may fall on fertile ground here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled today's message, Hesitant Humility. And I went back and forth with this this sermon title. Can I I just tell you, I, I take pride in my sermon titles. Some, some of them might be a little cheesy, you know, but I, I take pride in them um, really because, you know, we have a we have a podcast, the Numa Church podcast, uh, which, you know, if you if, if you didn't know, well, now, you know, if you ever miss a message, if you ever miss a la- live stream, you can go to the podcast and you can catch the message there. And so I really like to, you know, create these sermon titles that are going to be catchy because titles are like headlines, right? You don't click the headlines if it doesn't intrigue you. So I, I, have, to, I have to make these titles, you know, kind of short, you know, no more than three words. Um, I, I, I try to be pretty strategic about it sometimes. Sometimes I'll have some alliteration in there like this one, hesitant humility, right? You, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't catch that. Now you know. Um, but this time, this time around, I took like, kid you not. About 30 minutes just trying to figure out what I was going to call this sermon. And I was going back and forth and I was looking at the notes and I was, I was reading the, uh, uh, the text again because uh, I, don't, I don't want just 
to pick a sermon title that, that sounds good. I also want it to mean something. I want it to be meaningful. I want it to reflect everything that we're about to talk about. So I, I called it hesitant humility. And I want you to think about that this morning. Sometimes, church, we become hesitant when it comes to our humility. We're not quick to do it. We're not, we're not quick to give something up. Now, you might say, Pastor, I'm pretty humble. I'm a humble person. I'm not conceited, right? Conceit is not the same as humility. Just because you're not conceited doesn't mean you're humble. You might say, well, Pastor, I'm, I got no problem with authority. No problem. I, I can, I can, you know, I can even acknowledge when someone else knows more than I do, even if they're beneath me. I'm teachable. That's better. But humility still goes further than that. It really does. And that is the point where I, be, where I believe many of us begin to hesitate to humble ourselves even more. By this point in the life of Jesus, Jesus had built himself a pretty good reputation of being this phenomenal teacher. Crowds would gather just to hear this Jesus speak. They would press up against each other like sardines to hear the great teacher. Jesus is coming. We got to hear him. We got to listen to him. It's like maybe you have, you're a fan of, 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 a, of a well-known speaker and, and he comes to town and, and he packs out stadiums. This is what Jesus in his day. Jesus is here. Let's, let's gather together so that we can hear this wise man's words. Verse 1 says, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake and he saw two boats by the lake. Two boats, but the fishermen were not in them. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from there. So Peter and Jesus, this relationship, this was before Peter was a a disciple of Jesus. This is before Peter was really a friend of Jesus. This is before Peter really knew the Jesus that he would come to know over the next several years. But Peter knew about Jesus. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, we see Peter calling to Jesus to go and heal his his mother-in-law. And Jesus goes and and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. So there is undoubtedly some respect here. The fact that Peter calls Jesus master, that is a sign of of honor. It's a sign of respect. It's safe to say that, that Peter can probably show Jesus some level of humility. But this is where most of us would begin to hesitate a little bit. This is where we might say, Jesus, I really appreciate you healing La Suegra. Thank you. I really appreciate who you are. I respect you. You're a great teacher. I'm honored to be in your presence. But, but Jesus, we're, we're, we're kind of working here. Jesus, I don't mean to offend you, but this is my boat. <laughs> this is my boat. How many of you like it when other people touch your things? <laughs> we, have such a, we have such a sense of pride when it comes to our things, right? We do. We were, we were raised in a nation of liberty. People love their rights. They will defend their rights. We will defend the rights of others. We will defend the rights of, of the voiceless. It's what we do. We take pride in our rights. And, and when we feel like someone is encroaching 
upon our rights. We get a little prideful. We get a little defensive. Amen. Why, hello. Come on. Y'all ain't saying amen, but it's obvious. I've got, I've got some, I've got some uh, cameras in my house. Anytime motion is, is detected, uh, I'll get a notification on my phone. And we bought our house earlier this year. It came with a pool. Praise God. We, we, used, we use it. Um, and and uh, I, wasn't, I never had a pool before. So I uh, was going back and forth. Do, do I hire a pool guy or do I just do it myself? In reality, I knew I wasn't going to do it myself. So I hired a guy and I gave him access to my backyard. Well, that first week that he came, I had totally forgot that he was coming. And so I was, I was, I was here at church and I got a notification that read person detected in your backyard. And you know how mad I got just right there. Person detected. Someone is coming into my backyard. I'm not home. They didn't ask for permission. My eyes got all big. I was, I was getting, man, I was hot, man. I was about to like call the cops and everything. And, and I, I, I just, I remember really just freaking out. Like, man, we just moved into this neighborhood. Now someone's trespassing to my house. I'm going to have to move again. And then I opened it up and there was my pool guy right there doing his little dance. He got his headphones in cleaning my pool. I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. We want to protect what's ours. That's what we do. We want to protect what belongs to us. Layla is even getting a taste of this man. The other day I told Layla, Layla, clean your room. She said, it's my room. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. I won't tell you what happened after. But we, we, we feel like someone is threatening the control that belongs to us. When we feel that, we hesitate to give it up. We hesitate to humble ourselves any, any further because why do I need to humble myself for, for something that belongs to me? It's mine. And maybe this is where you're finding yourself in the encroachment phase. Jesus has presented himself to you as one who is able. He is able to fix your family problems. He is able to fix your personal issues. He is able to restore your joy where bitterness has dwelt. He, but he's hovering. He's hovering. And maybe his hovering is making you uncomfortable. Jesus, you're in my space. I don't like this feeling. I don't like it. You know, I I like, I like coming into your space, you know, Sunday morning, I can come into your presence and then I can leave. Now you're encroaching in my personal life. Now you're in my Monday through Saturday. It's that, it's that feeling you get, you know, like when, when, when someone is letting you have control, they're giving control to you, but they're watching you every minute of it. Pastor Marlon, man, he would, he, would, he would tell me how he hated when customers would watch him work. <laughs> He'd be at their house. He's installing like a satellite dish or something, and they're just, they're just watching him. What, what are you doing there? You know, what, what are you going to do here? Well, how, how are you going to put that here? I, I, used to, I used to be a victim of this when I worked with my dad. You know, my dad would, he would, he would, you know, he would take the paintbrush, and he'd be like, hey, you do it this way. This is back in the day. Now, now I'm a professional painter, right? Uh, he would say, hey, you do it like this. You do it like this. And then he, he hands me the paintbrush. And he's like, okay, now you. I'm like, okay, you're going to leave? <laughs> because you're going to watch me. It's going to make me nervous. Jesus steps into Peter's boat. Whose boat is it? Peter's. It's Peter's. He bought it. He saved for it. He worked for it. It's his boat. And Jesus is on his boat. He's on, he steps onto to Peter's boat, but He's not yet in Peter's heart, right? Maybe Jesus is 
in your boat. Maybe he's in your space. Maybe he's in your house because you recognize who this man is. Maybe you've got some little decor on your, on your kitchen where it says, you know, uh, in the, for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you got, you got some Jesus sparkles in your, in your house because you recognize who Jesus is. You know what he's done for you. You know what he can do for you, but you have not yet given him the right over everything. He's in your space. But he's not in your marriage. He's around you, but he's not in your business. He's not in your Monday through Saturday. He's not in your finances. Can I tell you something, church, that God wants to move beyond your boat and get into your life. He wants to get into your heart. But God, it's my life. It's my life. I've built this life. I've worked hard. It's my business. This is where humility gets tested. Check out verse 4. Verse 4 says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So now, so now, now Jesus is telling Peter what to do on his boat. Hey, hey Peter, take, let's, let's take this thing out. Come on. Let's go. And, and put down your nets. And tell your guys, put down their nets. And and Peter answers, Master, we toiled all night. We, we, we were doing this, and we didn't catch anything. But at your word, okay, I'll do it. I'll let down the nets. Peter's response alone will tell you that he's, he's kind of beginning to doubt a little bit. He might even feel challenged. Because look, look at Peter. Peter is the, this is the man who is a professional fisherman. This is the man who knows that this type of fishing is, is done at night, not in the middle of the day. So this is his hesitation. Now, Peter does it. He, he passes the test. But I want you to think about another world where, where Peter might have responded like maybe we would have responded. We, got, we get proud. What if you would have said, Jesus, I mean, you don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I do this for a living. Jesus, we, we got to get to work, Jesus. Come on, I mean, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow. He says, Master, he's trying to be polite. Master, we did the very thing that you're asking, we did the very thing that you're asking us to do at the most ideal time to do it. We already did it. Doesn't make sense. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do things that don't make sense, it's going to sound illogical. You're not going to get it. And when it comes to, to aspects of our own lives, we think that we know best, right? Because it's my life. It's our lives. No one knows your life better than you do. You know your thoughts. You know what makes you mad. You know what works. You know, you, you know what you like, what you don't like. You know how you're going to reason, how you're going to think about things. Not even the person that knows you the, the most knows you better than you. So how can I surrender control of my life when you don't know it as well as I do? I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody today. I hope so. Maybe you say, God, I, I, I know my business. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing, I've been, I've had some success. I know my customers. I know what, I know how they think. I know what they want. You want me to do What? Sometimes I have these conversations with God where I'm like, God, 
I've been in church for 30, for 30 years. 30 years I've been in church. I've been in ministry since I was like 14 years old. I know my church. I know how they think. I know what they're going to respond to, what they're not going to respond to. What do you want me to do? You might do it at home. Might be, it might be real casual. God's like, hey, just, just apologize. Renee, apologize to your wife, bro. Just do it. Just, just, do, just call her into the room and apologize. And you're like, God, you clearly do not know my wife. <laughs> she needs an hour just to cool down, two hours if she's hungry, right? Let me handle it because I know my situation. I know my life. And when we do these types of things, church, in any aspect of our life, we fail to realize that we haven't completely humbled ourselves like we thought. There's this, uh, there's this older, older song, um, not, not like, not like Danny old school. We're just talking about songs this morning. Danny goes back like 97 years. When I think of old school, I'm like 10 years, you know, but there's a song that says, and you might know it. It says, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. And then the bridge goes, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. But there's a difference between saying, Lord, I give you my life and actually doing it. There's a difference between singing the song and actually living it. If there's, if there's something I've learned is, is that the idea is, is, is so much easier than the execution of the idea. Right? We have these great ideas. We know what to do practically. I, I know exactly what I have to do to lose weight. I know exactly what I have to do to, 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 to get six-pack abs. I know exactly what I got to do. But the idea is easier than the execution. If it was just as easy as thinking of the idea, man, we'd all be successful. We'd all have everything that we wanted. And the same thing happens when we come to church and we sing these songs about giving God our everything and, and we lift up our hands as a sign of surrendering, we humble ourselves in some aspects, the aspects that we're willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to give you a couple hours on a Sunday, God, but God never asked you for the thing that you're willing to sacrifice. He asked you for the things that you aren't willing to sacrifice. He asked you, he didn't ask you for the things that you can spare. He asked you for the things that you never considered giving up to anybody. Man, I wish you were more excited this morning, man. Jesus, Jesus says, listen, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, if someone demands your coat, give them your coat, give them your coat. If, if they ask for your coat, give them your coat. We can do that. Okay. No big deal. We see someone, he's, he's cold. Oh, I see you're cold, sir. Here, take my coat. And in our heads, we might be thinking, Man, this coat was kind of expensive, but, you know, it's okay. It's the right thing to do. I got a good job. My wife has a good job. We'll, we, I can buy more coats. I've got more coats at home. I, I can give to this poor, unfortunate man. But what does Jesus say? He says, don't just give him the thing that he asked for. Give him the thing that he didn't ask for. Give him your shirt. Well, come on, come on, Jesus. Now you're encroaching 
on my personal space. I can give up my coat, but my shirt, my shirt. That's true humility. What if, I'll make it practical for you. What if God told you to give someone your car? Don't say amen, you better be careful. <laughs> Crystal clear. He said, he said just, just, just do it. Give this man your car. Would you not say, Lord, I can give him money. Lord, I can, I can give him a ride. I can order him an Uber. If you want, I can make it an Uber black so that he's riding in style. But my car? My car? Now you're just encroaching on my life. You're making it personal now. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to make it personal. He's not trying to make it formal. He's not trying to make it cute. He's not trying to make it unoffensive. He's trying to make it personal. Don't worry. In a second, we're going to pray that God doesn't ask us for our vehicles. (laughs) Peter, you know, he might have hesitated a little bit. I, I wish I knew what what he was feeling in that moment. You know, Peter was always this 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 kind of a hothead, right? He he kind of had had a temper. He he was known for speaking his mind. He was known for 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 wanting to be impressive, right? He wanted to impress his friends. And Jesus gets on his boat and says, "Take it out and throw down the nets that you just pulled in." But he did it. He did it. He obeyed. He obeyed. And, you know, when we tell this story, one of the things that we do is we focus on the fish. We focus on the miracle. Right? After all, you know, it's because of the miracle that they were all amazed. But I want you to to see what what Jesus was, was really doing here. We might even look a little bit further. We, we see the, the symbolism of the catching of the fish with catching of, of men and women for Christ, but we miss something so important. If you haven't been paying attention, pay attention to this. This miracle wasn't about the miracle. It had nothing to do with the fish. Nothing. This was a strategic plan by Jesus to go after Peter. You know why? Because later... Peter would be the man that Jesus called him to build the church upon. Why would he do the miracle just to show off? Have you thought about the significance of the miracle? What did it actually do? They they could have went back that night and tried again. No one was asking for a miracle. No one one was in major need. No one was dying. No No one was starving because they didn't have any fish. But he did the miracle because he was calling Peter. The man with the boats. The man with the possessions, the man with the fishing business, who at the end of the day would not go back to the water, but instead leave everything and follow Jesus. That's what this was about. Because Peter let Jesus into his boat and then let Jesus into his heart. Praise God. Read verse 8. You have verse 8 up there? I also deleted it. But it's here somewhere. Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down 
at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Notice his, his response. This is the first time that, that, that Peter calls Jesus Lord. The very first time. He had been calling him Master. Master is different. Master in the Greek is the word epistates, which means commander or chief. It's what master means. It's a sign of respect. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a sign of, of honor. It's very appropriate to call Jesus master, chief, commander. But Lord is different. Lord is the, the Greek word kurios, which literally means, you ready for it? Authority. Authority. This was the first time that Peter recognized the Lord's authority. This miracle unlocked the final piece of Peter's humility. It it, it unlocked his heart. No longer do you just have a right to my space, Lord. No longer do you just have a right to my stuff. But you are worthy of all authority. That's why Peter says, depart from me, Lord. Because I'm a sinner. Because for the first time, Peter knows that he is unworthy of the very presence of Jesus. He had been around Jesus all of this time. He led him in the boat. He gave him into some of his requests. He was giving more to Jesus little by little by little until he realized that everything Peter could give didn't even belong to him. He had no authority over it. And church, maybe you give God some of your Sundays. Maybe you give him your your business. Maybe you give him your work ethic. Maybe you give him your, your family, your mornings. I, I want to remind you that everything that you have, everything that we have is because he allowed us to have it in the first place. Because he is the authority. He, reign, he should have reigned over every aspect of our lives. Verse 10 closes out saying, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Peter doesn't feel worthy of the presence of of Jesus because he's not. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. But think about how the king of kings, the, the creator of the universe, the one who was there before the foundations of the earth, he wants to be in your space. He doesn't just want to be in your space. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be in in your work. He wants to be in your marriage. He wants to be in your family, in your finances. He wants everything. He wants full authority. Full authority. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Because even though Jesus is worthy, even though he is a sovereign, even though he has all of the authority, he would later entrust Peter with that authority. What amazing things God must have in store for those who give everything that they have to him, for his honor, for his glory. If we just stop holding on to some of the things that we just, we we feel like we have a right to. God, I have to protect this. I have to protect what's mine. What if you just gave it to him? What if you just said, Lord, I I surrender everything, everything. Think about what that word means for a second. Everything. 
And maybe today you're, you're in a place where you're, you're hesitating. You're not, you're not there. I want to I challenge you this morning, man. Why don't you give God everything that you have? Everything that you will have. Lord, just don't, don't just take everything that I have today. Take everything that I'm going to have tomorrow. Everything that I'm going to have a year from now, Lord. Even though I've worked for it, I want it to be yours. I'm going to ask you this morning to stand. And I want to just, I want to challenge somebody this morning to stop hesitating. And give God everything. And look, this is a message for for believers. This is a message for Christians. I'm not just, I'm not just talking to, to those who haven't given anything. You've given something. You've obviously you've given God your Sunday. You've given God your a piece of your finances. You've given God your time when you serve, but but what have you been holding on to? What have you been saying? Not this, God. I, I, I need to do this thing my way. I need to do this thing the way that I see fit, the way that I see best. God, I'm going to give you so so many things, but this one thing I got to hold on to. God is saying, release everything this morning. Release everything this morning and give it to me and watch what I do with it. Watch what I do with it. You should close your eyes this morning. Oh, my Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for this word, Father. I thank you, my God, because I know that you are, you are pressing upon us, my God, to, to give you maybe that one thing that we haven't yet given up, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you soften our hearts this morning, Lord. Soften my heart, Father. I don't want to be stubborn, my God, in your presence, Lord. Take full control, God. Into my life, come into my heart, come and take everything, come and take my, my, my mind, Lord, my thoughts, take over, Father. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.